Hello and welcome to Ask a Coach with Ngomu. My name is Al Wynant and today I'm excited to be speaking with fitness trainer and coach Stephanie Braden. We're going to be talking about why not to fear imposter syndrome, something we all have, I think, um, and how to develop, you know, a support system that can really um, that you can really lean on through this. So, if you're joining us live on LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, and Facebook, put your questions in chat, and we'll try to address them during the show. If you're joined us, so um, click the subscribe button, and you'll get notified when new shows are available. So, um, let's delve into the conversation here. So, hi, Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hey, Al. Thanks for having me. So you're very welcome. So today we're chatting about imposter syndrome and how to develop a support system to lean on. So before we really delve into that, tell me a little bit about your background and what inspired you to become a fitness trainer and coach? Sure. I've been in fitness for 13 years this summer. Before that, my bachelor's was in psychology and I spent almost a decade working in mental health. Hmm. Prior to that, I had grown up without like any kind of support system. My support system was called, I just want to go to grandma's house where <laughs> nobody could bother me, right? Uh, grandma was really chill. <laughs> she lets you be chill. And so it was just this space to not be surrounded by negativity and pressures and hmm. uh, down stuff all the time. And then once I became pregnant, my son's 15 now. So, you know, a few years ago, after I had him, I was like, okay, I've always been overweight. I've done the yo-yo thing off and on, never stuck with it more than a few weeks, maybe a couple of months at a time. I had just gotten back on track right when I found out I was pregnant. I was not even a month into being consistent with my eating and my exercise and then pregnant. And then after I had him, I understood it was going to take time to recover. And I did mommy and me kind of exercises, but again, just couldn't stick with it through all of this, always on my own. And then when he was approaching the one year mark, he was nine, 10 months old. So it was in the fall time. I was, I was at my breaking point. I was like, mm. he's almost one. He's standing up and cruising. He's almost walking. Like I feel terrible. I look terrible. And most importantly, I've got to raise this kid. Like I cannot, I will not tolerate setting for him the same example or lack of that I was raised with. And so my mission became bigger than just feeling a little better or wanting to, to look mm -hmm. differently. And I doubled down. And every time I wanted to stop or quit, I would just look into that little room or I would look at his little toddler face right there in front of me and, you know, struggling to catch up with him, play with him. And I just wanted to be a better person and set a better example for him. Hmm. And that led me to finally getting consistent, which led me into looking at a career change out of the mental health field. And I... I reached out and made some phone calls and asked, you know, like, what does it take to get started in fitness? Like, 
it, what do I need to do? Where, where do I begin? What, do, what certification do I need? And one of the calls I made was a lady who did contracting for instructors and companies. And so she invited me to come shadow a couple of her instructors, which I did for several weeks. And then I was asked to sub. And during this time, I was working on my group fitness certification, which I had before I was doing one-on-one training. And my certification hadn't even arrived in the mail yet. And she calls me and she's like, hey, so-and-so is sick. I need you to cover. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to do that. She's like, you go to the class every week. You've been going for two months. She says you're great. Well, it's different leading a class than it is taking a class. And this was my first fitness introduction to imposter syndrome. But what I learned is that by surrounding yourself with people who are like-minded and people who do believe in you are willing to support you and encourage you and give you some guidance to, to help you find the way made all the difference. And 13 years later, uh, I'm still in fitness and still very happy helping people discover that kind of, of help and new belief in what they can do. And we'll talk about that imposter syndrome in just a little bit here. And one of our viewers was like, great idea for a show. Thanks, Stephanie. So sharing that here as well and inspiring stories. So, um, so, so Stephanie, talk to me a little bit because you are one of our Ingomo coaches as well. Um, so talk to me a little bit before we get into the questions that we've received um, about your coaching community on the app. Sure. Before I jump into my community, uh, in Gomu, when I first saw the ad for a coach, just the job description, the posting of the community and the idea of what it was just drew me in. Still coming off of that intentionally surrounding myself, it's an ongoing process and journey, one that I'm always looking to refine and, you know, prune some dead branches from, I think we all are, and that it it really drew me in. And by gum, I was going to find a way in here. I was like, I can talk about this dozen things. Which one fits best? What do the people need? What are you missing? And uh, lo and behold, very treacherous process, folks. This was no walk in the park to get here. Um, I am, I am now hosting my community, coaching my community on decreasing chronic pain with appropriate exercise. So in this community, we're focused on how to not just identify some pain triggers, but how to handle them, whether it's intermittent knee pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, or chronic pain, even issues like arthritis, which is what we are talking about uh, in this series right now and will be for the next few sessions. Even if somebody doesn't have chronic pain issues or one of um, these health issues like arthritis, for example, the community can still be really beneficial because there's a lot of things that, that kind of overlap and you never know what your future will hold as far as what you might encounter in your own health experience. And so 
I have several people that come and get great value, even though they may not be suffering from whatever we're talking about at that moment. And I was there this morning, bright and early. <laughs> you sure were. <laughs> <laughs> so we are, th thank you for sharing us, Stephanie. So we are changing the concept of our Ask a Coach a little bit here. So we are now, rather than having a great conversation, that's always a great conversation, we're really soliciting questions from our viewers in advance. And again, if you have any questions during the program, feel free to put them in chat and we'll see if we can answer them. But if you have any questions for uh, future shows, feel free to email them to us at coaches at ingomo.com. So I've re we've received some excellent questions for today's conversations. Um, again, if you're watching us live on LinkedIn, Facebook or YouTube, feel free to put them in chat and we'll see if we can get to them. But um, <clears throat> so before we kick off with today's questions and You've already mentioned it once. You know, we hear that imposter syndrome, that language used quite a bit lately. So what is it and how does it affect people in your industry? So simply put, imposter syndrome is feeling like a fraud, feeling like the achievements, the success that you've achieved, you didn't actually deserve. And even though you look like you do a good job, somebody's going to find out that it's all fake. So not really believing in yourself and your abilities that you're doing as good of a job and that you are as successful as others may think you are. In my field, this is this is pretty common, uh, kind of like I shared in my in my story. And that's just one example of new trainers, new fitness instructors, new health professionals, even that they get their certification or their degree. And so they've been through the classes and they've gone through the exams and they've done this stuff on paper, but now you have a real person in front of you that's going to give you real information and real answers. And what do you do? And what do you do when there's a bump in the road and your mind goes blank? And then there's also situations where whether you're a new or experienced fitness professional, that maybe you take some time away. Maybe it's for pregnancy, right? Having a child. Maybe it's to take care of a family member, whether it be a, an aging parent that needs help or a, a child or a sibling, whatever it is. And you step away from your day-to-day your -day work responsibilities. And then when you return, you're like, I'm starting all over. Will my clients come back to me? Um, do I remember how to do this? And then there's a third one where maybe you yourself are injured or face a medical issue. And then when you are ready to return, you're okay to help people. You know what's going on, but you don't look the same as you used to. You can't do the things that you were doing as well as you could do them. And so even though your new clients, current clients may never have seen you at your best, you feel like they're judging you and know what you were capable of and how much you've slipped away or, or, or fallen down, so to speak. Um, I experienced that a little bit myself as well after having a neck surgery a few years back. And was forced to take time off work. Um, the gym actually kicked me out. <laughs> I tried to return. They were like, go home. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
And then I moved and had to find a new job. So these weren't people that had known me in the last, you know, several months and year before my surgery. These are all brand new people. And they can only see what is before them. And I didn't look the same. And at the time, I was still under a lot of restrictions that I, I couldn't move. I couldn't even do this. Like, couldn't even do this for like a, almost two years without pain let alone, you know, a plank or a push-up bearing any weight on it. And so it was definitely a challenge, not always to the clients, because honestly, once you jump right in, they don't care what you know. They care if you're helping. So it shows up in my industry a lot of ways. And you're going into that. We've gotten some really great questions from some of your industry people, if I can say it that way. So kind of kind of along what you're talking about here, we have a question from Maisie um, in Palm Bay, Florida. So I love being a fitness trainer, but I don't look much like wait, but I don't look much like what people would expect. I'm 4'7, bulky. I'm surrounded by beautiful people and feel insecure with my body. Any advice? Put on heels. I'm just kidding, Maisie. I'm <laughs> so just kidding. Uh, this happens frequently. So I'm sure that you, like many others, had their own journey to get to where you are now, whether it was through sports, whether it was from coming from a very unhealthy lifestyle and maybe your own weight loss journey to get to where you, you are now. And that matters to you for you to be able to say, I can understand what clients going through this are likely feeling like. As far as the clients, they're focused on their goals. They're not going to make a big deal of how you look unless you do. Because the clients that want to train for bodybuilding are going to find a trainer that looks like a bodybuilder. They're going to find a trainer that's promoting getting ready for competitions an athlete that wants to train for a specific sport is going to find a trainer that trains for that specific sport, right? So people will come to you and you will get your own clientele that you will be able to connect and understand just by showing your strengths in the areas of training that you choose to focus in and how you can help people in those areas. They're going to care a lot more about understanding that you know what they're experiencing and how to help them overcome their obstacles than whether you look bulky in your leggings. That's, that's a fair answer, and thank you for sharing. So a question that's maybe a little bit alongside the same lines is Maisie's question from Rhea in Palo Alto, California. We work in a highly competitive environment, and it creates feelings of inadequacy or inferiority for me and my clients when comparing ourselves to other trainers who have more clients, more experience, or more visible, visible results, sorry. What can I do for my clients so they don't feel this way? Stop letting them compare themselves. Stop comparing yourself. You're focusing on the wrong things. What, Rhea, did you say Rhea? Yes. Rhea, you're, you're focusing on the wrong things. And this is a very easy trap to fall into because, well, they can bench more than me. They can squat more than me. They've been doing this for five years. 
when you get five more years of experience, you'll probably be then where they are now. And they'll be five years ahead of you forever. Right? My son is 15. I was 24 when I had him. No matter how he ages, he's never going to be my age. He's always going to be 24 years of experience behind me. Right? The same way that we were to our mentors and our instructors that helped guide us into the field and get us to where we are now. So if you're comparing yourself to to others, you're focusing on the wrong the wrong thing. And that can be picked up by your clients. So. Finding a community where you can feel comfortable being yourself with the level of experience that you are and looking to those more experienced trainers and colleagues for tips on how to be just as successful, how to be more successful, learn from their mistakes and encourage your clients to focus on them. Their competition is them versus them yesterday them versus themselves last year, them versus themselves five years ago. And the finish line is where they want to go, not who's racing next to them. Quote comes to mind, obstacles are the things you see when you take your, when you take your eyes off the goal. That's a good one. Oh, I tell my clients a lot hurdles. I was like, so they have races with these like contraptions to intentionally try to slow you down and trip you whole point of the race, get over them the fastest, right? Like that's a hundred meter hurdle race, right? Like you can use this information and allow it to affect you however you choose. So where your attention goes, your energy flows and results will show change what you're focusing on. You'll change how you're feeling. Such truth. So I have a very similar question from both Josh in Davenport, Iowa, and Morgan in Cedar Park, Texas. How do you deal with negative feedback from clients who are not happy with their progress? It makes you feel insecure about your own abilities. I don't deal with that these days. (laughs) It is not something I actually encounter these days. The question sounds like, the client's blaming you for their lack of progress. Sounds like it. Yeah. And that is definitely something early in my career that I faced. I can think of one client that just popped into my head as you were saying that. And man, I would, why, why won't he just follow the program? Why can't I get him to do the things? I was taking all the responsibility for his actions. I was taking all the responsibility for his actions. The 23 and a half hours, he was outside of the gym. And I only saw him three days a week. There were four other days I didn't even see him. So oftentimes, your your client's lack of progress is not your fault. Your client's lack of progress is, again, not focusing on the behaviors that are going to get them to the progress that they want. The way I tell my clients, it's your journey. We can go 30 miles an hour. We can go 60 miles an hour because it's it's your pace. So I recommend that we pick a pace that we can do for a long time. 
because as all trainers know, it's consistency that's going to get you the best results. Not a spurt of, oh, I had a really good week and then I'm off track for two. Oh, I worked out for one month and then I didn't go to the gym for three, right? It's, it's the showing up over and over again, which comes from building habits. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first things that I talk to my clients about is lifestyle change versus quick fixes. If you want a quick fix, I can't encourage it. And I certainly won't coach it. If we have been working together and now you have a special event that you really want to, you know, put the pedal to the gas for. Awesome. We can do that. Because now the perspective is I'm on this long road and right now for a short period of time with a specific purpose, I'm going to double down to, to get more aggressive and maximize. And then when I come back, I'll resume my regular pace. I have a client that just returned a week or two ago from like a 10 day, two week vacation in Hawaii. And, and when he he was preparing to leave. He wanted to put the pedal to the metal a little bit. Great. Let's do it. Absolutely. Because he's been so consistent in showing up and he takes full accountability for his actions. And we talked about the, the coming back afterwards, what to expect, because he had already set the intention on vacation. Like I'm still going to be active and work out. He can't sit still. You can't pay him to sit still though. And so we knew he was going to be very active, even though the the exercises were going to be different in intensity and format much shorter a lot more like hiking and stuff outdoorsy in in hawaii and he wanted to be able to have some flexibility and try new foods and not stress and so expected to gain a few pounds and when he returned expected oh, i'll just get back on track and take it right off that's exactly what happened. So when I'm working with clients, the first thing that I really, 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 really want to drill into them is progress and consistency, because those are things that you can keep building on as opposed to trying to jump and take this step and then always falling short. That's going to lead to insecurity in your abilities as a trainer and their insecurity of their potential to actually reach their goals. So reframe the expectations and set an, a, a timeline, kind of a pace to get there and let them know that at all times it's their journey. The more aggressive your goal is, the more aggressive your program will be. But there's there's no rush for that. Well, it's it's funny. It ties to one of my favorite coaching questions. What's your role in that? You know, as the as the, the person being coached, you know, what you you can as a trainer, you can do anything in your within your power to train that person, to coach that person. If they are not following what you're coaching them on, what's their role in that? So they're not going to reach their goals, obviously, if they're not following that. So I have another share here um, from Ali. I love the idea of competing with myself. I'm not motivated to beat others. So I thought that was nice to share as well. Me too. So thanks for sharing that, Ali. So uh, another question here from Peter in Sarasota in Florida. And he mentions he read our blog post or your blog post on the Ngomu website, which you can find under ngomu.com slash blog. And you'll see it's the first article there. 
He said that you should never fear imposter syndrome. It fosters a growth mindset. Can you go into, into more detail? What does that mean? Well, is anybody learning anything so far today talking about it? Right? So <laughs> if, if we look at imposter syndrome and we remove ourselves from the emotional aspect of feeling it right now, that will allow us to rationally think about it. And if we can make that separation and take that step aside, we can look for opportunities to learn more about ourselves first and foremost. What are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Why do I feel so insecure? What is draining my confidence? What can I do about that? What is it that I need to focus on? Am I focusing on the right things at all right now? We can start asking ourselves some or all of these questions and others to get a better understanding of why we feel this imposter syndrome right now. And we can use it to drive us to improve ourselves, to build our confidence. If you're not ever feeling imposter syndrome, I wonder if you're kind of just complacent and not, not growing in yourself, in your profession, right? Are you not challenging yourself to be of better service to others? Every time I face something where I'm just like, I don't know. I'm one. It's okay. If I don't know all the answers, where can I find it? Where can I direct you to find it? And two, when I see numerous clients coming up with similar issues, like maybe my population has changed a bit. Uh, this was pretty common when I used to work in a gym. Okay. What else do I need to study to feel confident serving this population or what do I need to change about um, what they're recommending me for so that you get a better fit with what is best for you to coach on what you feel most comfortable and, and um, knowledgeable, effective is most important, I would say, about coaching as well as what you enjoy. And for me, that pushed a lot of, of education that had I not felt a little uncertain about how to handle an issue, I wouldn't have gotten. And I've been able to help a lot more people. So um, maybe this ties to the question is from Megan in Megan, Georgia. It's like, what tools and resources do you use to be a successful trainer? Oh, are we tools like like equipment tools or I'm, I'm not interpret. I'm going to be interpreting the question here myself. It's probably more what resources are available, what, you know, tools for training, et cetera, that make you a better trainer potentially. Oh. Now, what, are, what are you using? That's what I'm assuming. And um, Megan, if you're watching, feel free to put it in chat and we'll see if we have it wrong here. But uh, yeah, please that's, help that's me. what I, that's my inter I interpret around it. <laughs> So I use a lot and not very many at the same time, which sounds really odd. Use enough to get a variety of perspectives to see what the common themes are. I don't subscribe one million thousand percent. That's a real number, you know, uh, to any one person's paradigm. What I find is when you 
can follow somebody who's well known in a particular field or niche for something and then find three or four others, look at what their common themes are and what one is talking about that others are missing and start to put the pieces together. I tend to, especially in the early days, keep a textbook handy. I'm constantly reading um, text on, on different exercises and types and purposes to re-familiarize, re-familiarize myself with things that are so basic, but might've slipped by because I don't use them a lot. And then I find a need for them. And also making sure to not get so caught up in these tools and resources that you forget you can think for yourself, because that will promote a lot of lack of confidence and feeling like you need to find the answer from someone as opposed to you can actually resolve the issue. As long as you're within scope of practice. That's my disclaimer there. Good disclaimer. Always good to have a disclaimer. So the last question here from Ben in San Diego. So how have you built a supportive community around yourself? So I talked a little bit about this earlier and it is being intentional about the places that I want to offer my services and the, the companies and people that I want to work with. That's how I build a community around me. Uh, when I first got into to exercising for myself before I made the career transition, I just got comfortable being on my own journey knowing that it looked completely foreign to everybody that I saw on a daily basis. So um, being intentional. Perfect. So before we get into the 10 questions, a couple of wrap-up questions here. So what are your top three takeaways to uh, leave our viewers and listeners with today? Oh, Okay. So thinking about all the things that we've covered today, the first one would be focus on yourself, do your own work and encourage your clients to do the same, right? Kind of like in school, don't look off of someone else's paper, right? So focus on your journey and just going farther in your own journey as a professional, as a trainer, as a fitness instructor, whatever it is. And number two, make sure that you are setting clients up with the appropriate expectations for their goals, um, giving them enough guidance and, and programming that they have structure, but giving them enough room that they can learn from the choices that they make and just continue to support them in making better choices that align with their goals over time. And then number three, be very intentional about those you are surrounding yourself with so that you can make sure that what is getting put into your head is not reinforcing insecurities and doubt and lack of confidence because that will come out to your clients. And that is what will damage your training. It's not you not knowing an answer. So true. Thank you for sharing that, Stephanie. So 
What's the one thing I should have asked you but didn't today? <sighs> we only have two minutes. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't even know, Al. There were so many good questions. I'm not. I'm not sure. And that's a good answer. If you, if that's fine. <laughs> But, um, but thank, thank you for sharing your expertise with us, Stephanie. So um, question came in here from Ram here. Um, how, there it is. So how can I find Stephanie's coaching community? If you want to share that with the group here. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely the question you should have asked me, Al. Ram knew. Uh, <laughs> on the Ngomu app, go to wellness and scroll towards the bottom. <laughs> Decreasing chronic pain with appropriate exercise. It is in the wellness category and I'm towards the bottom um, of, of the list. So just scroll down. Thanks for sharing, Stephanie. And just a reminder that you are watching or listening to Ask a Coach with Ngomu. And my name is Al Wynant. And today, I'm speaking with fitness coach and trainer Stephanie Braden. If you'd like to catch us on the radio, you can catch us every day at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m. Um, Eastern time. And I hope I'm having it right right now um, on Radio Futures. So you can re-catch this um, on, the, on, the, on the radio as well. So I um, wanted to jump into the 10 questions rapid fire style with you, Stephanie. So the fun part of the conversation as well. So um, <laughs> you never know what the answers are going to be. So uh, what's your favorite childhood memory? Grandma's house. Lovely. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? My knowledge of the world is so small. Currently, I just want to go to Texas. That's fair. If you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Embrace the fear and go anyway. What does your morning routine look like? Get up uh, 4, 4.30-ish and get myself together, get my pre-workout in my water, drink it on the way to the gym, go to the gym, message my morning clients, check a couple of emails while I wait on my workout partner. And then I, I go get my workout in and then I get home to work, sometimes doing my first session before my shower, sometimes squeezing in a 10 minute shower first. <laughs> What's a common myth about your job uh, or field of expertise? We have to look a certain way and we're all brutal. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? A buffet. That's cheating. No, <laughs> <laughs> That's clever. I don't know what kind of buffet it would be, but it would be a buffet. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, what's, the, what's the most important lesson you've learned over your career? Um... You, you have to keep going. You, you have to keep going. Somebody will be an appropriate client, an appropriate mentor, an appropriate colleague for wherever you are in your journey. So what's the one thing you do every day that adds to your success? Sleep. What's, who's been your most important professional mentor? Oh, gosh. I don't have any particular one mentor. 
I am very grateful to the woman, Natalie, who I mentioned earlier that gave me the initial guidance. And then another one, when I moved to Indianapolis, his name was PJ. And he taught me a lot about um, management and leading a department. Please finish this statement. Leadership is. Leadership is paving a way and giving those around you permission to go farther than you have, fully supporting them in their actions. That's great. Stephanie, thank you for sharing with us today. So um, aside of finding you on the Ngomu app, where can people connect with you to learn more about you and the work that you do? Uh, LinkedIn is a good place to connect. I'm not super active on any social media, uh, but I am on LinkedIn. You can definitely connect with me there, especially if you have somewhere that you would like me to come speak or you are interested in learning more about working with me. You can also follow me on Twitter. I do post some fitness stuff there and also some random stuff. And um, that'll, that'll do. What's your Twitter handle? StephB0184. Thank you for sharing that. And if you're listening, you can catch Stephanie on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash IN slash Stephanie Braden, and it's Stephanie with an IE at the end. So thank you for being here. So Stephanie, thank you for joining me today and for sharing with our audience. I appreciate you. Um, and we will see you again next week at 1 p.m. Mountain Time for Ask a Coach with Ngomu with guest Ali Van Ruckel and a conversation around starting over. So send us your questions to coaches at ngomu.com or PM us through our social media. And we will see you again next week for Ask a Coach with Ngomu. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Al.